I'm Kim Singletary. And I'm Rich Collins with Biz New Orleans Magazine. Welcome to Biz Talks. Each week, we reach beyond the pages of Biz New Orleans Magazine to bring you in-depth conversations with members of the business community. From the names everyone knows to the ones destined to make their mark, we'll dive into the top issues, best practices, successes, and failures of every industry that calls Southeast Louisiana home. All right. Hey, everybody. Our guest on today's podcast is Jason Burns, until very recently, the president of QCS Logistics. Jason's father, Ronald Burns, founded the New Orleans-based company as a same-day courier service in 1984. QCS has grown to become a leading Gulf South transportation provider, making more than 1,000 deliveries daily. It was purchased by Texas-based company Dropoff Inc. earlier this year, and Burns has taken on the role of director of corporate development at Dropoff. He's immersed in the world of, quote, last mile delivery, which was once considered the stepchild of the logistics industry, but has seen a lot of investment and innovation as companies battle the Amazon effect to dazzle customers with efficient delivery options. Jason, welcome to the podcast. Rich, thanks for having me. Glad to be here with you. Awesome. So look, congratulations on the sale of the company. You know, reading about it and, and writing a little bit about it, I know it was bittersweet. How is everybody and your family and over there feeling about this end of one chapter and the beginning of another chapter? Everyone's good, man. Everyone's good. We, um, you know, still excited about um, you know, still being a part of, you know, the the, the new kind of um, direction that we're going in with, with drop off as our kind of, you know, new, new family. Um, but it was a good sale. You know, it, it, it certainly was bittersweet, you know, long history, a lot of good memories. Uh, but the timing was right, and I think we uh, we executed it well. And um, very happy and excited for a lot of our staff too, who are gonna be able to uh, they're well positioned to take advantage of a lot of new opportunities um, with the new relationship with Drop Off. So all is well. Excellent. So so the company your father founded in 1984 has grown dramatically. Can you explain the evolution from courier service to regional logistics provider? So yeah, he found it, it, it was, you know, he was a former banker um, with Liberty Bank and Trust, and he actually left the bank to initially found a payroll company. It's called Payroll Plus. And, you know, back in those days, uh, so this is obviously in the 80s where there's, you know, no technology. So the payroll companies needed to have a, a courier or driver go pick up the actual timesheets, bring it back to the office, process the payroll, and then bring the checks back to, to, the, uh, to the client. And so that was really initial, initial business. Um, and he did that for, I think for, for a couple of years, um, the whole time he didn't realize it, but he was actually starting a, a, a courier service, um, right. drivers that were delivering payrolls to and from. And, um, he ended up, uh, exiting the payroll company, sold it. And, uh, you know, because of his relationships in banking, um, started working with a number of his previous clients, uh, customers he worked with and really offering financial, uh, courier services to those, uh, banks. Uh, credit offices, uh, credit unions, et cetera. And then one night he was in a, as, as he tells the story, in line at a grocery store and bumped into a buddy of his from, from a high school and had one of those kind of conversations about, you know, what are you into nowadays? Right. And yeah, I just started this courier company and um, just trying to get up the ground and, you know, I hit my head against the wall. And it turns out his friend was one of the regional managers for Radio Shack. Okay. And at that time, Radio Shack's you know, use a bunch of couriers um, because they were transferring um, supplies uh, from one store to the next. So a customer comes in one store, ah. or this widget, they don't have it. They'll call another store and get a store transfer and okay. then they'll call <laughs> back and forth. So, you know, that really what really sparked the, the courier business um, to kind of get going. 
Um, and so, so that plus the financial piece he was doing with his bank relationships. And then slowly but surely kind of got into different, you know, industries we serve, different verticals. Um, probably about the late 90s, we got into the, the healthcare arena. And so we started doing a lot of medical courier services. So picking up blood specimens, lab samples, um, surgical items, uh, and moving it from a hospital to a laboratory or, or um, inner office between hospitals and clinics, or doctor's offices. Um, and then probably when I came in, which was uh, about, 20, about 2010 or so, a couple years before that, we got into the warehousing logistics side of the business where now we don't, we don't only just deliver it for you, but we'll actually receive your freight in. We can process it, sort it, segment, fulfill it, and then deliver it out to, you know, to your, your, your destination and still offer those same kind of expedited delivery services. So, you know, one hour, two hour, four hour service. So is it that time when you came along, like in the 2010s, when you started the warehousing side, is that when you entered the world of last mile stuff versus everything being local? Was that a big change? Yeah, I would say that that's probably a good, that was probably a good period of time where we started to actually get involved in truly what people define as last mile nowadays. Um, because okay. once you have the, you know, once you have opened up a warehouse, you're now really you're not only looking for a local client to deliver point A to point B to, you're receiving freight from regional or even national clients that's now looking to deliver maybe within your local area, possibly your region, but it starts to kind of broaden your, your footprint and, and expand. And at the same time we did the warehousing, we also started uh, expanding operations into the Mississippi Gulf Coast, uh, Baton Rouge, Lafayette, a little bit further north Louisiana. And so all these things kind of started happening at the same time. And so we really built a nice little bit of momentum going. Um, by the time we were kind of, you know, mid-2014, 2015, we, we, were, we, were, uh, we were rolling. And that's around the time when you changed the name, right? <laughs> <laughs> I think so, yeah. That was, uh, <laughs> that was quite a story. Yeah, so really what, what happened was we, we lost an RFP um, for a big, big, um, big hospital system. And I felt largely it was due to, we, we lost to a company that had logistics in their name. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I, as I kind of got some debrief information from the, uh, the prospect, they said, well, we, don't, we don't think you guys can do everything that we're asking or that this you know, selected company can do. And the reality was we were, we were doing every, everything plus, plus more. Um, but that name, Courier, I felt kind of pigeonholed us a little bit. And so... Um, I guess I had the vision of foresight to try to say, you know, this is the same time UPS was having these commercials about logistics, you know. So yeah. I said, let's rebrand the company. It's called QCS Logistics. We changed the, the proposed to change the colors and the website and, you know, everything. And uh, my dad looked at me one day and said, who the hell decided to do all this? Cause <laughs> so, uh, but we were able to, you know, to convince him that this was a good move for us to go forward. It would open up some more doors for us. Right. Um, you know, and, and it kind of tied into the new service that we we're offering at that time. So it, it just made sense. And once he, I, I think he thought I was trying to steal, steal the history away from him, but I was just trying to improve it. But uh, once he, once he understood it, we, he was on, on board and, and uh, we, we moved forward with it. Well, it seems like a great call because there's been so much growth since then. And it's interesting. So I hear the word logistics all the time now. I'm covering all this different business stuff, but I, I didn't think about that. I, is it, was that kind of a thing where that became a new a new buzzword, new terminology a decade ago, and then you weren't hearing it before that. Is that what that was? Yeah, I mean, definitely not in our space you weren't hearing it. I mean, obviously the, the term logistics was thrown around a lot for the, you know, I guess within the supply chain. Um, yeah. But 
in terms of what we did at a local level, you almost thought that it was the word logistics, logistics was too big for us. Yeah, yeah. Um, was kind of the, the way I think people looked at it. But certainly, I mean, logistics is just, you know, it's just planning, right? I mean, it's just the, 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 the foundation of it is, is, is planning and being prepared for whatever movement you're doing. So because of what we do, and, and I would argue uh, supply chain wise, we have arguably the most difficult piece of that supply chain because we have to, you know, really deal with the local street level deliveries. Um, a lot of times your full truckload, your less than truckload movements, even in the maritime or rail space. I mean, it's pretty, it's pretty cookie cutter. I mean, you, 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 you try to aggregate freight, you're pretty much going from point A to point B, uh, dock to dock. Um, and as long as you get the planning and timing right, you're good. But in, in the final mile space, the local space, you're navigating, you know, traffic, you know, delays, you're navigating um, residential streets with, with low hanging trees, um, customers being home, not being home, um, doing anything from a scheduled route to a one hour delivery um, of, of blood that has to get to a particular hospital, to save a child's life. I mean, there's so many different dynamics that are at play in our world that really as I, as I learned and got more experience in the industry, um, you know, the the not to knock the higher ups of the supply chain they don't have to deal with that level of, of detailed planning and so i felt the word logistics was was more than appropriate for for our sector right and now so i read that um what you i'd seen a quote from you saying that last mile logistics is the stepchild of the industry it was sort of the last the afterthought and then but i was also reading that it's the most expensive part of a delivery so like if you're delivering something if you order some product from the from Amazon, well, forget Amazon, from some retailer, and it gets shipped some in some way or another to New Orleans, then the, the part where it goes from the warehouse to you is the greatest cost to everybody involved. And, and it's, I assume it's because of the reasons you're talking about, traffic or, or the uncertainty of if someone's going to be home or if it's in a rural area, it's just the space that people have to cover. Yeah. So um, uh, what, what's caused that the stepchild to become such a focus now? Why is it such an area of attention and investment right now? Yeah, um, I think it's, it's, and I, I hate to, I hate to give them credit for it, but I think <laughs> it's an Amazon effect. Um, you know, I think anyone in this space has a love-hate relationship with Amazon. Love them as consumer, not so much as competitor or partner. Um, um, but I think we know what they've done. They've kind of made the term final mile or same day delivery, you know, or, or, or you hear free delivery. Every commercial comes out as free delivery. There's, there's no such thing as free delivery. If you're right. wondering, it, it, it does cost money. Um, but I think they made it sexy. And, and then, you know, with, with, what they were really able to do, in my opinion, was to uh, change consumer behavior. Right. So now we all have an expectation when we hit that button to say, you know, deliver it to us. We're not, you know, before, when I first got involved in this 10 years ago, 12 years ago, you know, you'd be happy to get it in 10 days or seven, <laughs> seven 10 days, right? And then maybe three to five day. Well, now, you, I mean, you're, you're pretty much expecting to get there the next day. And, and certainly two days is almost like, you know, an eternity at this point. And so I think when consumers started to really understand um, that it was possible for them to, to receive, you know, um, items they purchased online, um, faster, I think that then put pressure on all the other verticals and aspects of supply chain to keep pace with that. And so what you see the reaction is, especially the pandemic obviously has just kind of ripped the bandaid off of this issue. Um, because when everyone's stuck at home now, all we're doing is clicking, 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 buying things online. No right. one was doors as much. 
Um, and so you see shippers or, or third-party logistics firms who are, are kind of working on their behalf are now locating that freight closer to the top metropolitan markets, which is what you normally see bigger distribution centers, but more localized where you can have a shorter um, response time to get that freight and inventory you know, from the DC to you know, the final destination, to the, to the constant need. Um, and, 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 and then the, you know, the, the, the reason that it was, it's historically been the most expensive leg is because you, you lose the kind of opportunities to aggregate that much freight together, right? So if I'm going to your house uh, to deliver you know, some Airbuds or whatever it is, um, there's probably not, you know, 20 other things I'm delivering to your house. It's probably, you know, maybe a handful of things. So, whereas, you know, yeah, in, in the larger supply chain arena, you know, it's all about aggregating freight. How much density can I create on this truck going to a singular destination? And so in, in last mile, you've got to, you know, volume kind of, volume is, is king for us. So if we can, not, maybe not necessarily find all the density at one stop, but if we can, get it organized geographically where we can be very efficient and we can keep our drivers moving in a very tight radius. Um, you know, we can offer very competitive and quality service. Understood. So you guys, do you do, um, Ikea? Is that what it is? You're the Ikea last mile people for New Orleans area. Yeah, we, we work with Ikea. It's through a third party. Um, but we do, we do manage a lot of the Ikea freight that, um, it, it comes into the region here. And so how does that go? Where, where's the distribution center? Is it Houston? Um, there's one in Houston, but this this freight um, comes out of two facilities. One's in in the Houston area, and one's actually up in Memphis, I believe. Okay. Um, so they'll so so I mean simple simple process. Um, if you order you know sofa right now from IKEA, um, they're gonna route it through uh, probably a full truckload or less than truckload uh, carrier. It gets down to our facility here. We kind of break it down, sort it, segment it out. And then, based on your schedule, that that freight goes outbound for for delivery, um, you know, to your office, to your home. Right, because I think a lot of times consumers they don't realize that there's multiple parties involved in in ship in moving something from point A to point B. Right, like you think, oh, I order something, and then this person's going to bring it from IKEA to me, but there could be what two or three or or more. Oh, yeah, yeah. Most 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 of your large you know, uh, retailers, uh, probably most consumers think about. They're not coordinating their own, you know, their own carrier base. They're not managing their own internal supply chain. They typically most of them have outsourced this, um, and it's at least two, maybe three to four um, carriers involved in these movements. Um, again, it's it's because of the change we're seeing in the market. I think um, the distances are getting shorter. You're moving that freight from from the from the, the distribution site to the final destination. Um, which means it's more efficient, should be moving faster, less less costly. Uh, but you know, you still have a large a large part of uh, what we do is coming from all parts of the country, even some some outside of the country. Right, and it's got to get itself you know into the country, and it's got to get you know either railed or trucked or air to uh, to to help us in New Orleans, and then from there, we execute the final piece of the uh, the leg. Understood. You're talking about those distribution centers. I had done a podcast with somebody uh, who involved in logistics in New Orleans a few months ago, and she had said that one of the lessons of the pandemic when, when people were having a hard time getting stuff was that we need more distribution centers. And that's going to be good for Louisiana because, you know, you might see more, more being built around us. Like there's obviously the Amazon one they announced out, out in Karen Crow. Uh, but she thought there was going to be more, more coming. Uh, uh, is that what you're seeing too? The trend? Um, 
I haven't seen a, a, a significant increase in, in those types of centers. Um, I do see a few, um, mostly on the North Shores where I see them at right now. The Hammond area seems to be pretty hot market. I think some of these folks want to you know, stay stay above the flood the flood flood zones. Oh, of course, yeah. Stay there, so to deal with 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 that uh that risk. But um, yeah, you, you see a few of them popping up. Um, you know, obviously with where we're located at, you know, with, with our, you know, kind of maritime industry and we got good rail, rail systems here in, in our market. I think um, we really have good infrastructure, um, better than most most markets, I would say, across the country. Um, but from a, you know, from, from a, um, an ec- our economic base and from where we rank at, in you know, terms of those top markets in the country, um, right. I think more of the attention is probably going to those larger larger uh, metropolitan areas than us at this point in time but but we are picking up some momentum makes sense like if you you're going to build more distribution centers where there's more more people more wealth where more reasons to to, to store stuff have it yeah. handy uh understood okay so in in that last mile world right you know as, you, as everyone's trying to compete to um to make it faster to make it more efficient to you know dazzle the customer um i was reading about the d- different different innovations uh and there may be the potential to use technology and in, in, in how soon will we see a drone doing it? Or then there's the crowdsourcing side where people are going to, companies are going to try and start having maybe an Uber model to get products from point A to point B. What are you seeing? What, what, wait, what makes you think, yeah, that's a great idea or, or no, I call BS on that. Yeah, we, we've looked at all of them, man. We, we've, we've, we got pretty far down the drone plan. We were close to following for, for the, the uh, section three thirty three exemption to get a drone. Wow. Um, we um, we've looked at the crowdsourcing. You know, I think it the the, the at the end of, at the end of the day, um, delivery is simple from a standpoint that you need to have um, a quality driver and well, I'm saying driver right now, but that could change, but, but a quality deliveries mechanism to get yes. to be. Um, and from a, if we talk about final mile, you know, again, as I said earlier, you know, volume is kind of king in our space. So part of the problem with the drone solution is that it's limited, right? So you, although they are improving these drones and there's some drones that can carry, I think up to hundred pounds of payload right now. So the last ones I've seen out there, um, there's all kind of restrictions, you know, with the FAA in terms of how you can, you know, the the, the you know kind of airways and where can you can fly the drone at, um, and then you know ultimately it works in some applications. I see it working, particularly like you know what, what we do in the, in the medical field, a lot of stat delivery. So you know, I need to move a vial of blood from from one hospital to another hospital. Um, I see that being being more realistic than I see you getting your. Um, your Amazon delivery, you know, uh, flowing down on your doorstep. Right. Um, so, so from from a drone standpoint, I I see it happening. Um, but you know, there's so many things that still need to be resolved from a from a um a security standpoint that that will be difficult. But I see it happening. Um, you know, you know, uh, um, driverless vehicles and 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 those types of things. I think that will happen more on the larger trucking side before in the final mile side. Out, um, out in the highways, right? Like special lanes. Yeah, yeah. I mean, just it's just easier to 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 build whatever algorithms they're building to to get from one dock to another versus navigating streets. Um, and then and then you know it, even even once you get a vehicle too, in in our case, you know, at the last mile, you're you're waiting for someone to interact with a customer. It could be a resident, it could be somebody in the office building. 
but it's, 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 you can't just get a car to the, to the curb. Well, someone's got to get that package inside. Right. Or you got to get the customer outside to, to pick it up. And so there's still a, a last, last piece of that. <laughs> there's the last few feet. That, yeah, there's, there's the last feet yeah, side of it that um, still has to be managed and, and resolved. Um, you know, so I think there's still some work to do there. Uh, it will happen at some point, but, but I, don't, I don't think it's going to happen any, anytime soon. All right. So, so that being the case, it sounds like it's more about looking at new technologies. Meanwhile, just doing the most efficient and organized version of what we've been currently doing. So with your new job at, at Dropoff, in your new role, uh, corporate development, what, what is your, what's your mission? How, how will you know you've done, you know, an A plus job in this new role? What's your, what's your goal? So my, my, my goal in, uh, in this role is, is really to help drop off to continue to expand its brand and attract um, current owners of companies who are looking to exit the, the industry. Um, you know, drop off, I think, is, 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 is a startup because it's only, you know, I think it's seven years old, just made seven this year. Um, but it's a very fast growing startup. Um, and it brings a little different uh, culture and uh, sense of progress for progressiveness to the industry that um, I think is, is, is new and a little bit different. Um, so, you know, so, so, you know, my job is to really manage and leverage some relationships I have in the industry to see who may want to, um, to be a part of that. Um, and then secondarily, I'm also still very much so involved in, in doing some high level enterprise sales. So looking for those clients that want to have the same um, consistent delivery experience across, you know, multiple markets. Uh, today we operate in 43 markets across 22 states. Um, so a big part of the uh, consolidation you see from an M&A standpoint in the industry is because we're very fragmented, right? There's about estimated seven, 8,000 kind of last mile firms across the U.S. today. Oh, wow. Okay. Um, there's really no UPS or FedEx of the, of the last mile space. Um, and, 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 and people say last mile, um, but there's, I could, I could rattle off probably a good 10, 15 different verticals within the last mile um, that, that from healthcare to automotive to, you know, e-commerce, retail to warehousing to, um, you know, uh, uh, you know, uh, food deliveries. Uh, so depending on what kind of vertical you serve, um, we, we still want to be able to offer those clients a consistent experience across our entire platform from a technology experience, um, from a driver experience, and then from a, a coverage um, that we that we allow you to place an order anywhere in the country, and you can get that same quality experience, much like you get with a FedEx UPS today. Okay, so is the vision that uh, ten years from now, drop off will be as as recognizable a brand as as UPS, and and people would instead of going to the phone book and trying to figure out who's going to solve their problem, that it's going to be a a household name. Yeah, I don't want to speak for our founder and CEO, uh, Sean Spector, who uh, it's really his vision. But but yeah, I think he he would he would like drop off to be synonymous with the FedEx or UPS. When you think I need a same day, I need something delivered same day, uh, I'm a call drop off, and I think that's that's where um, we want to be positioned. Um, I've got a lot of work to do. Um, there's really good competition out there, uh, but but I think I think consumers and customers again going back to the kind of Amazon effect. Um, they, they, they've come to expect, um, that same quality level of service, um, regardless if they're delivering something, you know, uh, uh, you know, up the street versus across the country. 
Understood. And um, so I've got three more questions for you. Yep. you uh, well, first, who, who is the biggest competition for drop-off? Is somebody else trying to aggregate all these different, you know, last mile people around the country? Yeah. Um, I don't believe in giving free pub outs. So I won't say Yeah, yeah you have to say their name. <laughs> but, there, but there are people doing the same yeah, thing. But, but yeah, there's certainly there. There You have different groups out there. Um, some are, are, are private equity back. Some are, are true kind of, you know, uh, industry insiders that are just rolling up companies together. Um, yeah, so, I mean, there, there's people out there that, are at, at, that recognize that there's a, a, a big opportunity here. You see you know, there's a bunch of activity, you know, with merging acquisitions in, in the space right now. It's a lot of money coming into our, our sector. Um, and it's because I think as, as, as we move forward and again, coming out of the pandemic, um, while we all hope to get back to our normal lives, um, I don't think it will be normal from a standpoint that it will be look, look exactly the same way it looked before. So from a delivery standpoint, um, I think that what will happen is um, th th there's, there's still a, a big gap right now. And, and again, offering this kind of consistent same day experience across the country. And um, investors, um, you know, uh, uh, players in, in the industry, um, they're, they're working towards putting some money behind that to, to roll up companies and, and to solve it. Um, I don't think you'll be one player. I think that's part of the problem you have right now in, in the kind of parcel space with just a UPS or a FedEx. I think you'll have a good, you know, um, five, 10, maybe 15, 20, you know, bigger, bigger players. Um, again, kind of going back to the vertical that you offer because it, it's, it's a little bit different to UPS and FedEx that there's so many different things you can do in last mile. Um, right. But, but yeah, but essentially I think that, that um, the competition is going to continue to push forward to, um, you know, offer this kind of consistent experience across the, across the country. Uh, understood. And uh, what relationship does Amazon have with all this? Does Amazon hire people in your sphere or are they just literally competing with you all the whole time with their own, with their own providers? Um, yes, Amazon has, has been a, a good partner to the industry. Um, they, they've, they've contracted um, with a number of um, uh, colleagues that, that I have in the industry, you know, helping them out with their uh, final mile kind of distribution plans. Um, they, they obviously have a number of different types of divisions they have over there from their flex plan to their you know, direct service provider, the DSP. Um, obviously, they're, they're getting deep into the trucking space. They bought it. They have a fleet of their own planes. So um, they're, they're, they, I would say, argue Amazon, I would say right now is probably the third largest carrier in the country. The, the difference is they only move their freight today. Right. Uh, so they're not moving anything else for a third party. Um, so, so I mean, certainly they're a competitor. I would say just because they're in the in the in the industry we're in and, and they're operating, they 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 have a good sense and pulse of the consumer base and they're able to move that needle. Um, but you know, but 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 recently here they they've been looking like they're going a little bit more internal um, and insourcing more of their their work. Um, and not partnering as much with with kind of outside third parties. Um, I suspect is they they want to keep you know a, a, a level of consistency across their their customs experience. Right. I mean, they have their own trucks now out running around the neighborhoods. I I see her in my front room. I see them drive by a couple times a day. You know, but uh, so what? Why why is it that Amazon doesn't doesn't use um, people like QCS? What, what that seemed like it would be part of their system. Um, what well, they did for a long time, uh, we, 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 um, we, 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 we did some work for them through a third party, but, but, um, 
they, they did contract directly with a number of companies um, in our industry in the final mile space. Um, I think, again, as I said, I think they they took that and they kind of, you know, uh, they modeled a lot of their, what they're doing with their DSP program. These are the sprint events you see, you know, around your neighborhood now. I think they modeled a lot of what that program looks like today from, um, from their experience with us. And right. so, um, you know, I, I think, you know, Amazon is, is, is unique. Um, they, 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 they like to do things, you know, uh, a certain way, their way. Um, and, and I think that that, that's probably, that probably is works. It worked extremely well for them. Yeah. I think it's working out too. Yeah. Okay. So, uh, just back to just the big picture and you and, and the, and the QCS and your family. So you've got your role set. What, what's happening with your father and the rest of everybody? What are they working on? I know they've got lots of other projects still going on. Yeah, so the family's staying busy. Uh, my dad, uh, he, he's he's not one to 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 rest for, for any period of time. So he's uh, constantly working. Uh, we have a we have a parking management company, so we do manage uh, mostly airport parking facilities uh, around the country. Um, that that obviously that business has been down a lot in the pandemic. Of course, uh, but, but happy to see that the numbers are picking back up, and hopefully mid year or so we, we got most of the country vaccinated, we can travel again and, and and you know that business is really driven by you know by by travel um and then uh you know some consulting so so my father's um you know he's he's obviously um a well-respected and very successful entrepreneur so um he gets gets opportunities to consult and and, and uh kind of lend his expertise to to different different uh companies uh my brother actually runs uh he's a president of our parking company so it's called global parking systems right um, so he he he's running the show there, and um, and that's it. So we we we're staying busy with that for now. I'm I'm sure we'll be thinking of some other things here. We we always trying to come up with something new to bring to the market. So um, so for now we're we're enjoying a little bit of time off, but but not much. Nice, nice. And then I want to ask you the last question, the same one I ask everybody on these podcasts. Thinking about everything we've gone through this last year, the challenges that we face as a city and and as you know just individuals. What what makes you worried right now as you look at the future, and what makes you feel hopeful? Sure. Um, what worries me is obviously if we have a um, another variant of, of 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 you know of, of the coronavirus that comes up and and really kind of takes us sets us back even further. Um, so that 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 would definitely be be something that would <laughs> keep 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 us all up at night. Um, I certainly worry about. You know, a lot of the industries that were, you know, more negatively impacted certainly than than what transportation was, and and how that recovery looks and works. You know, obviously, you know, being a native son of New Orleans, I know how important hospitality and tourism is to 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 our city, and to a number of the people who are employed here. And so, getting getting that industry back up online, you know, giving the resource they need, uh, getting people excited about coming back to New Orleans and, and spending their money here. Um, but I also I also hope that we can when we do that work that we we um you know there was still a number of issues before uh, in the city that that i think need to be addressed um so making sure we do that the right way making sure we pay people proper wages making sure that we um you know, you know we, we don't uh marginalize them um geographically so far away from from downtown um with what's happening from a real estate standpoint um so those are things i worry about what, what gives me hope is that um New Orleans is, is arguably the most resilient city in the country. I mean, I don't think there's anything that that the people of New Orleans uh, can't do if we, we put our heads together. Um, 
we, we, we tend to love a good challenge, love a good fight. Um, and, I, and I also think that one thing the pandemic has, has taught everyone, I, I, would, I would suspect, is you know, um, with the remote work that we've all been through in the last 12 months, most of us can probably still literally, you know, pick up your laptop and go anywhere you want. And so I, I think there'll be a trend, particularly amongst, amongst younger younger people, people that are single without families, that they will relocate to cities they've always wanted to live in um, that presented, you know, a good culture, good food, good, 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 um, um, you know, access to entertainment. Um, and so I think New Orleans, along with a handful of other cities, are as well positioned to capture some of these um, new transplants or kind of remote workers that may all of a sudden say, hey, I want to live in New Orleans, but, you know, obviously I can work from anywhere through my laptop. And so hopefully we can position the city to, to, to capture that, that group um, and do some things we need to get fixed here at home. I think we're, we're, we're in good shape. That's a great idea. Yeah. All these people that are leaving uh, San Francisco or these, you know, expensive cities can come down here and uh, work, uh, work remotely. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's, we, we should really, really focus on, I think it's a huge opportunity there to do that. And, you know, New Orleans of the largest cities I'm thinking about where people want to be attracted to. I mean, New Orleans is probably has the best cost of living. Um, definitely presents the best, you know, culture and food and, and music and, and all those things that, that people like to have with the nightlife. And if we can get some of the quality living things um, uh, taken care of, I think, I think, look, we, we have a hell of an argument to say, why, why not New Orleans? That's a great, that's a great vision. I love to hear it. Well, Jason Burns, thank you so much for being on the podcast. Thanks, Rich. Appreciate you having me. Thanks for listening to another episode of Biz Talks. If you like what you hear each week, don't forget to rate us and leave a comment wherever you listen to your podcasts. And follow us on social media at Biz New Orleans. For more information or to contact us, please visit bizneworleans.com slash biztalks.